Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Sean, welcome. TPG. <laughs> You're going to start with your acronyms e again? PTG. <laughs> G-R-P-T-X. X1. You missed. <laughs> Are we playing Battleship War? It's Battleship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Four. <laughs> did, did you sync did you sync my ai that's <laughs> ai that's my thing but it's not going to be on the coordinate uh okay uh weird start as usual but uh, i want to welcome everybody on uh, redefining society this is an episode that really intersect with technology that it's kind of like starting to get in everybody's uh, computer and not the computer not technology but this one here is ai that is really starting to to interact with us, and uh, everybody's talking about that. Uh, it's uh, TGP, GTP, PTG. Sean, what is it? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go with Chat GPT. All right, let's but, go with that. Uh, well, we'll stick with that one for the most of. The, we'll see <laughs> uh, if, if we stick with that. But uh, yeah, it's something I've been playing around with, and I'm I'm excited to have this conversation because there's there's the graphical interface that many probably have, have seen uh, but there's so much more behind the scenes uh, systems and and the algorithms and and workflows and processes and and all kinds of stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into here uh, hours worth of conversations will condense down into a little little sound bite here for for folks to jump in on and listen to um, I am not AI today and this is the real me talking so <laughs> It's going to be full of garbage, I'm sure. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's okay, because we're going to have an open conversation. We're not going to get too technical. We're going to talk mostly, I think, about privacy and uh, also a, an introduction to what this new technology, and is it new, really? Um, let's, let's, let's pawn this question as well to, to our guest. And I'm planning to have many conversations around this uh, artificial intelligence coming into our life. And uh, this is the first one. So it's going to be with uh, Arjun 
Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for and, having me. And Thanks is it really you? Are you passing the Turing test already? Or uh, I, This is the real me today. We'll see yeah. how long it lasts. But uh, <laughs> I have a little bit of story where I did try to uh, have an AI of myself. But yeah? What that, yeah. That'd be a good story to hear. Let's start with that. No, yeah. Well, let's start with the real you. So yeah. let's start introducing yourself to right. the audience. And then feel free to go into the story. I love stories. So yeah, a little good. bit about you're, you're, yourself. Just quickly, Mark, you're, you're, you're making my point that sometimes reality is better than, than uh, <laughs> artificial. It's more expensive. That's a whole topic. Anyway, be. the real Arjun. Yes, real Arjun. Who are you? I, I enjoy the conversation. Well, my name's Arjun Patnagar. Uh, I'm the CEO of Cloaked. Where I run a consumer privacy company focused on putting you in control of your data and your identity. And I just generally love technology, been in the industry for 16, 17 years, and just been passionate in a lot of different areas, from physical to electrical to programming, engineering as a whole. It's been really exciting. And is it getting more exciting or is it getting scarier, in your opinion, for the user? I think it's, it's definitely getting more, it's getting exciting and scary at the exact same pace. <laughs> and I think um, I actually have a thought around that. Uh, I think all technology right now is approaching this idea of a, a privacy limit, that technology is getting smarter and smarter and smarter, but it's eventually going to hit a wall where privacy becomes the main limiting factor. And something that I think about quite a bit is that we won't actually be able to get smarter until we solve the privacy challenge. And the privacy challenge can't be well, let me just trust Google. And like that, that's going to become the, the challenger to think about at the end of the day, is that how does privacy rethought with consumer control, consumer consent at the core? Um, yeah, that's uh, just kind of what I think about it. And I'm also happy to talk about my little background in AI because I had a lot of fun exploring that same idea about myself, AI, and how does that kind of work? Uh, but I, I, we can go from any direction. No, no, let's start from that one. Let's, let's start yeah. with, with the, your, your AI version. Tell me about that one. Yeah, so I've always thought a lot about AI. And then similarly, I have a little notebook called uh, the Book of AI that I like write pages every day, but my thoughts on how you reconstruct and think about it. Um, so back in 2020, I finally got the idea of how to start something in, with AI and start thinking about it. And it started more from the, the data side. I wanted to figure out how, what does all of my data look like? Where does it exist? What does it mean? And so uh, what I actually ended up doing was I bought a Mac mini and I put it in my apartment and I decided to write integrations into everything about me, like my basic data, like my Google calendar, my Facebook data. I hacked iMessage. I kept all my bank accounts and credit cards, my workout data, eating data, movement data, GPS that are sitting, standing, everything about me, I put in this box. And with a background in machine learning, I wrote some basic models to start understanding my life and try to emulate me and figure out the trends, the patterns, the history. So at first, it started studying my, um, my I pointed towards my workout and my social, and it figured out, okay, you missed your workout these two days. Do 15 push-ups between these two meetings, do uh, pull-ups between these different meetings, and actually started figuring those things out by just looking at wide data. It looked at my spending habits and started understanding that, oh, on a repeat behavior, he's buying alcohol and Chinese food. And then say, hey, well, maybe we should cut back, cut that down a bit. And uh, it was a really interesting- Or there's a product release coming up, one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> there's, um, it figured out because I spent 
every day at this Chinese restaurant. And it's like, hey, there's this trend. And I think maybe you should nip this in the butt. Um, and then I had the biggest kind of AI feeling was when I connected it to my iMessage. So what really happened was a few different things. One, and this is how the idea of cloaked all came to it, but it was really, I was actually uh, at lunch with somebody and I put my phone down. End of lunch, I picked up my phone and realized my really crude AI had a full conversation with my then girlfriend. It said, I love you to her. It sent her memes. It went back and forth talking with her. Um, and it wasn't too smart. It was, it, so the joke is that the conversation was just right enough and its capabilities are just right enough for the, over the conversation to match, but I had a full conversation with her and it was over by the time I picked up the phone. And that kind of like hit me. I was like, what just happened? And similarly, um, I even shared this part to a lot of people, but my friends also texted this all the time because we said, I'm sad or um, send me a, tell me a joke or these things. It would, uh, it would try to it use my previous responses to try to figure out a new response. Um, this, was a, this was back in 2020s before some of the chat GPT has now gone way beyond what I had originally done. Uh, but it's an interesting approach where so one friend was like, oh, for a solid like one minute, it's like, I didn't think I was, I thought I was talking to you. And the conversation was going back and forth. And for me, it's exciting. It's interesting to see how my reactions are, what people think of it when they talk to me. But then it was also scary when we talked about it, Sean said earlier, I remember that moment when I saw a text my girlfriend, I said, wow, what just happened? And two things hit me. One, I realized I had built all this stuff on this box, but I don't own any of my own data. And two, I love technology. I'm a technologist and I wouldn't trust Facebook, Amazon, or Google to make something like this. As if I didn't trust it, I was like, well, that's a problem. I love to be on the cutting edge, trying different things. And it made me kind of nervous what I had built on my own in a little box um, without doing too much work. And so that kind of got my brain going and thinking about like, well, somebody has to fix and solve this problem. Otherwise the next idea of innovation won't ever come. It'll be stuck because we are already seeing it today. People are concerned. People won't want to engage and thus making the technology dumber, unable to actually proceed. Oh boy. So many places to go with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm... I'm wondering, and I don't want to get too technical. Uh, that's not this audience necessarily, but um, I used to code uh, way back when. I won't date myself, but uh, I don't know that I could build an AI system. So, I, But the fact that you did leads me to believe that certainly others can. And mm -hmm. I'm, I don't want to diminish your effort here, but how, how easy was it <laughs> to, to build that system? Was it a, a collection of open source tools and things or how much, yeah. how much did you have to build i um i was pretty proud of the little i built a nice little architecture and how it was built i tried to make it modular uh but it was not at the end of the day not to diminish my 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 efforts i think absolutely uh somebody else could do it maybe mine is a little bit more elegantly built but i think anybody else could uh could build exactly the same same approach we used open source tooling um i wrote a little bit of code Fr frankly i built maybe half of the core and then I, I hired two people off Upwork uh, to actually keep building more of the integrations and connections. And they were able to plug into the system I made and quickly add more integrations rapidly. Because um, I built a little skeleton and architecture. So they were just plugging and playing. And so that, the fact that I could do that, I know there are people much smarter than me who could go even, way even further. 
it was a uh, pretty simple system from my end. So let, let's connect this experience of yours with uh, both the privacy, but let's bring it back to the, to the chat uh, GPT. So yeah. what, what makes chat GPT so special that everybody's talking about it is that, number one, it's pretty good at what it does. Yeah. Also, it sucks at what it cannot do, but people try to have it do. So it's not sentient. It's not understanding the language, but it's pretty good to put one word after another, and it's a kind of a probability uh, calculation, right? But um, I'm bringing it to privacy because in order to do this and be so good at it, if I'm understanding and, and you, maybe you can explain, it's just the amount of data that they fed this thing. And it's, you know, people say the whole internet, <laughs> the whole library of Alexandria is in there. So while it may be relatively simple to get it started, if you want to reach certain level, you, you just need to have powerful machine and a large amount of data. I mean, I'm understanding this correctly. And, 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 and I'm pretty sure the jump to privacy here is pretty and copyright, maybe it's yeah. pretty it's pretty simple. So, um, what's your perspective on on this? Yes, just just addressing both the things you're kind of talking alluding towards. First, I think it's exciting the fact that it, it works well, and next you can have interesting conversations. I think the the topic you're hinting towards, which is the big the big goal, is actually not even being technical, just a simple phrase people kind of connecting is, what is ChatGPT versus the actual thing AGI artificial general intelligence. This was the first time that you're engaging with a piece of software. It gave a feeling of that taste of artificial general intelligence. Now, to demystify things, though, the reason why this frustration is ChatGPT is not artificial general intelligence. It actually is not intelligence either. <laughs> it, is, it is a conversational model based on exactly what you said on a lot of data. And just to even make you giving people context, GP3 is the GPT3 is the model, which is generally based and trained on a lot of data sets. This is the Library of Alexandria. It's also trained on a lot of publicly posted data, information I can find on the internet. A lot of this information brought together. Chat GP3 is then GPT3 is then specifically tuned to feel like a chatbot, like a conversation. So getting conversations from chat transcripts, dialogues, messages, every all these sources to make it a little bit more tuned to feel like a conversation. So it, because it's so well-tuned, it feels like a natural conversation, but it doesn't know anything because it's not actually going and pulling from a database, pulling from these things. It's trying to, as you said, probability. It's trying to test and figure out based on what you said, here's my, my model that I'm trained on when I get X input, very dumbing it down, Y output based on the parameters it's, it's, it's tuned on. Now, the, part, the problem we think about is, well, I think this is a great first step, but you can't suddenly say that this is now intelligence. You have to take a step back, but see, where's intelligence head from here? Um, is that GPT-3, I think, is pushing the chat GPT-3, pushing the boundaries and where you can use it, people using it from their work, trying to be more productive, even dating life. People are using it in uh, general conversations, support, et cetera. It's an interesting application. But I think the thing that people forget is where all this data came from. So I'm talking about the privacy is that it's publicly posted data. And I, I haven't done any experience in this 
experiments on this quite yet, and they're working on this actively. But it probably knows things about you because it's gathered information from a lot of public data sources, and your information is sadly in the privacy world brokered in many places. It's sold, stolen, shared everywhere. Some information tidbits about you are part of this training model. They might be adding layers to make sure that it doesn't expose it or connect it, but it's there. The information is part of these systems. And so what you have to kind of think about is that, well, what's my say? What's my control on how this technology is evolving, especially when it relates to me, information about me? I know copyrights is another big aspect because of that. It's a, well, there's a dimension of privacy around ownership of me, information about me, and then there's ownership around material that I've created. I, I have some mixed opinions on the copyright where I do think there's some transformative work happening, um, but law, the law and the legal world will figure it out um, from that perspective, whether it is or not. Um, I know Dali has some interesting case, court cases happening, um, but I do think there's some transformative work happening. It just depends on this transformative about AI really mean that it's, uh, it's a brand new piece, um, knowing that it came from that source. And I think similarly, when ChatGPT3 learns from conversations about you or things that you've had or public posts you made on Facebook or wherever, well, if it knows some things or future AI, future models are based on these things, well, how do you have control of it? And that's going to become the big question that we need to answer as society is that what's my role in this? Right now, we, our role is nothing because big tech and companies say, it's okay, we will, uh, we'll set the rules and everything and then you will, you will agree to them or delete us. That's the only two binary options you have. And I think that's where I really think that we have to change it. It can't be delete, delete it or use it. That can't be the only two options. So I, I, I'm, I tend to go down the, uh, the technical route, um, but I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and kind of goes back to some of my early thoughts on uh, artificial reality and kind of to, to Margo's point earlier that, he wanted to hear about the real Arjun first or the <laughs> fake one. And what, what, my, what I'm thinking here is, and I just look back at the past few years where information, misinformation, uh, non-information, uh, erroneous information, whatever you want to call it. And as we're feeding these machines, are we then feeding ourselves back what we want to hear? And, and I, I always... My, my biggest fear is that we end up with a a space that we've created that's so well defined that it's hard to break out of the definition that we've or the box that we've kind of painted for ourselves. So it's it's kind of a big question, but how do, how do you see that? Because is there we've gone too far down this path to the right or to the left? Um, can we break it and start over, <laughs> or or is it too too late to kind of switch gears? Well, that's a really interesting point. I've actually talked about this before around, um, I'd say about the term bias, right? The one thing is interesting is that it seems really great. The thing, the conversations it's having, the, the topics that's able to create or generate ChatGPT3 and the future models. The problem is it does reflect our own bias. It's being trained on us. And then also you have to also think about what is being the, it's pulling from. Often it's pulling from the majority or loudest voice, right? If, um, there's billion data points and um, a lot is from a few sources speaking a lot louder than others, then it's going to be trained towards these biases. And I think that's a very interesting challenge for us to think about is that, especially if you have 
competing models. Uh, people was like, okay, I'm going to train myself on these types of people versus these types of people. We saw this um, live. I guess you both of you might have seen already the the Seinfeld uh, AI on a Twitch that was banned because it brought up uh, slurs or brought up um, uh, some uh, some gen some gender issues or it, it brought up. And the whole idea was that well, it's it's parroting information it's being trained on and across different sources. This is bound to come up from these efforts. And I wouldn't even say that it's because society is, is, is reflecting these issues. Often, it's often even a minority that a set of issues that can speak very loudly that bias information. I don't think, and my, my vision is a little different about the future of AI, is actually where the conversation began. I think that the idea of solving AGI as a general purpose model, maybe it's I'm not technically smart enough, and so maybe I'm the wrong person. I just don't think that will be practically useful for society because if you, I always say this consensus kills greatness, right? So if you take everything around you, average it all out and bring that to a data system, well, you're going to kind of kill the greatness that makes society unique and all these different personalities. And you'll get these biases, you'll get these pointy edges around topics, conversations, et cetera. My vision I think about is that AI comes back to the, from, to people. I, I, I like my goal for my company one day is to work towards like, what if I had an AI that's only trained on me, my information, things about me, and it's my reflection of how I interact with the world and it's extending things about how I uh, interact. And so someone else's AI is completely different than mine. Mm -hmm. So the idea of actually having to have one AGI, one general idea, I think that model now, I couldn't be proven wrong. Maybe we crack it and we just build this brilliant thing that works. But I think we plagued by those problems you brought up, Sean. And I think how you start to break it down is you make the problem smaller. And it's like different people, different AIs, different sorts, them interacting with each other as opposed to one general system doing everything. Wow, you just went so philosophical that I, I almost want to jump on my chair because I love this kind of conversation. And actually, you made me think about it. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the movie Her, if you remember, yeah, yeah. Few years ago, where, you know, it, it really is interact with, you know, I'm thinking like digital twins and how it is strictly your own. And now in that case, you wouldn't somehow resolve the the privacy problem, although who who is really owning your other you unless you can really do it yourself and and have it in a in a sandbox right at, the, at that point but but then how much it i don't know it's blowing my mind because i'm thinking a parallel digital society where our yeah. individual avatars are interacting yeah. and are they going to replicate our society or are they going to bring it to a completely different level? I mean, this is I'm crazy. super curious. I want to try <laughs> that experiment. I want like, that's what I imagine is that imagine. I, lo I love it. It's just blowing my mind right now. It's, it's a uh, parallel you know, podcast, right? You have three, uh, three of our individual AIs talking to each other and learning from each other because they don't actually know each other. So their data sources, their informations are locked to one another. So they're actually learning themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think we're kind of learning right now how to interact with with an, an AI, with a, a, a chat or an assistant. Like it seems stupid sometimes to say, I don't know, hey, uh, 
Siri now it's probably going to answer, but uh, you know, do this. I mean, it, it feels like I'm talking to a machine. Maybe this is a training for the next level uh, when you talk to the chat. Yeah. Sean, uh, I know you have, you, you want to comment on something. I'm, I'm like totally itching to jump in because you were talking about technology and, and how it works, and specifically privacy uh, kind of being the blocker. And I have so many thoughts here, but just th this idea that that we're using these systems and we're players in them and we contribute to them and we pull stuff out of them perhaps. But are we actually learning as humans and are we able to keep up with what's being given back to us or are we simply just feeding something else and, and we're just pawns in the bigger game? Is that, I don't know so if kind of your I earlier point of what's the, what's the purpose of GP three for society if, if society can't really, absorb it and benefit from it you hit the nail on the head because what when i started my little ai box the idea i called it data box that was the name was i had to change it because i realized oh shit that name's taken my my thought was um i did it because i wanted to have technology or help me and understand me because i can't make heads or tails like sometimes i remember i felt sad for a while so i took a journal out and i started writing i'm sad and I try to dissect why am I sad? There's work stress, personal life stress, family stress, things going on, et cetera. But I was also thinking like, wait, there's data that's actually, there's a financial reason. I ate a burger yesterday. I also got a call from um, my mom early morning and maybe something, some note happened. I saw an Instagram post from an ex or whatever. Like I was like thinking of like, wait, there's probably clear signs about why my life is operating a different way or uh, today versus tomorrow, why I feel better certain days versus other days. And I knew I couldn't figure it out, but I knew there's data that could actually map it out because there are good days, there are bad days, there are great days, and there are horrible days. And I was trying to dissect myself what makes one day better than another day. And that's part of my, uh, part of my thinking. And I think with that idea of AI helping and working with you, it's totally possible to be beneficial towards society. Um, it's just, we have to change the, it takes, it's going to take time. So where I think where we're trying to do as a business is that the whole business, the whole right now world of technology and data is predatory. It's based on extracting out of you, doing some transformer work and selling back to you. I think, if you kind of shorten the, the, feed, the feedback loop towards you and technology and how the loop can help you and work with you, people will pay for that. They would love to have a VIP-like experience in the way they operate their lives every day. And technology can get smarter with actually smaller data. Because if you look at so much data, it kind of gets averaged out. But when the data is looking directly at you, it can actually say, oh, I know that. I'm not, my, I've got blinders on. I understand Arjun. He he's very simple. It's actually not that there's not that much data going on. Um, there's credit cards, there's finances, life, women, etc. But it's all connected in one small bucket. I think it can. I totally think that's the case. It just takes and everybody somebody's going to solve it. And my hope is that I'm part of that equation, or maybe someone else will. But I know somebody else will make it towards beneficial for society, less about advertising for society and trying to be a better ad engine.
So what you're saying is the next product is going to be shrink GPT instead of chat GPT, <laughs> like somebody yeah. that just say, hey, alert, stress level coming up, right? <laughs> it's almost yeah. like your, your, you know, your Apple Watch that is kind of like say, hey, your heartbeat is going up and, and your breathing is not right. Uh, is everything okay? That's going to be the next one. No? Take a pill. Yeah, Med meditate. No, um, I, I want to stay in the privacy thing here because um, I know that's your expertise, but you're actually bringing it to a very philosophical level, which I, I agree. I mean, all this interaction that we're learning to do is really a way to look inside ourselves. I made a, a a point not too long ago in another conversation where we were talking about ethics and, and, and advanced technology in general and I, and I'm like, we never talk about ethics as much as we're talking about ethics now. Now, philosophy is coming back, psychology. I mean, it's really a way to, to know ourselves, kind of like detaching from ourselves, thinking about AIs, thinking like human, and then we discover there's biases and all of that. And, you're like, and then we go back and we're like, you know, we're the ones that are kind of in the wrong society in a way. That's why our AI is acting like that. So, but, but because of that, like, tell me when you think about the perspective from the user, do you have any, I don't know, read anything or your, any opinion on, on how we are using the chat right now? I mean, there is a, an incredible amount of users right now that are feeding even more information because i mean we are feeding more information every time we interact with that where is that privacy risk there if people of course don't give it i guess your credit card and yeah. <laughs> and your personal information but other than that i mean it's hard not to express yourself like even just by the question to say i don't know write me a lyric for a song which i've tried and it's pretty damn good yeah. <laughs> you know um you know, you're giving away piece of information for you. How is that handle considering it's free at the moment and you don't really own? Yeah, why? so this ChatGPT saves all your the things, the queries you make. If you go back, you'll see all your previous queries are all there. Now you could delete and they'll wipe the information. So I give them the credit that'll delete. Can you? We have a trust. <laughs> they they do delete, but I do know that a lot of times I won't speak specifically if they are do do or do not. I know companies at large don't. If they do delete, they often still retain retain a copy or it's still there forever. Um, so I don't want to comment if they're able to do because I can't validate. But I do know that they do have got – a lot of companies do maintain information. But at the sense of the privacy, you are effectively – they would be foolish if they didn't in the current – how the, work, the world works. Not using it to help improve their model, train new data. Absolutely. They're, like when you write a song lyric, this is data that they're using to understand their own product. Because um, they even they're now testing pricing, and they've used some of the things that people use GP3 to help figure out why people are using it. And I think that's also tied. The biggest realization, right, was came from the uses usage of ChatGP3 was that people are using it like search, and which is why Google was very afraid. Is that even TikTok and like TikTok was the first inkling of a little bit of fear of search, but people are searching for things on TikTok to get answers and they're not going on Google. And then now ChatGP3, you said, wait, I can get pretty good and sometimes wrong answers, completely fake, <laughs> yeah. correct. But, but I'm gonna stick behind it. Yeah, right, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're going to, they're gonna be proudly say it, but they treat it like search. And that's only from the data they analyzed and studied 
then it's like, wait, this is um, people be willing to use this over search. I don't know why Microsoft's super excited and Google's kind of scrambling to pick up that that pace where it's like, well, let's bring this into search itself. Let's improve it. Let's make it part of that experience. So your data is being used to train and understand a lot of different things. So I always say this, and every time I talk to people, be careful what you put yourself out there. Like I always say that, like for me personally, I'm just a little data conscious. I've never been, let's say, a privacy aficionado. Like I'm, I always say I'm not the best at using a VPN everywhere. I don't. My my team is upset about me that I don't have <laughs> three-factor auth and a special key here and. I, I consider myself still a layman in the sense that I'm very aware of security things, but I also like the convenience. That's why even for my business, I always think about you, you can't compromise convenience to have privacy. You have to find a way to have both. I think ChatGPT3 usage, it's like you are giving it data and you'll have, to figure, you'll have to eventually figure out, well, do I keep engaging with it? Do I not engage with it? And Amazon, I know, and a few other companies banned uh, ChatGPT3 because people are having it write code and they're sharing source code from their code bases into chat tb3 to help resolve bugs etc and they're like no you can't it's proprietary now mm -hmm. imagine for your personal data yeah. that's proprietary to you they're sharing that they're going to keep holding to that if you wrote a nice little opening line for tinder um they're studying that they're looking at that and figuring it out how could they be used for dating or other things mm. sean how much so, privacy have yeah you let's build how many beans have you spilled on chat? <laughs> well, uh, loads, loads, loads <laughs> of beans there. Um, what I'd like to know, I don't know if, if you have any insight, Arjun, is because you can have multiple chats yeah. in chat GPT. And do you have any in, in sense, are, are those separate? Because one thing I notice is when, when you're having a, mm. a conversation um, and I'll let me step back. I, I'll refer to the, I don't know if you saw the Ryan Reynolds commercial oh. where he had to create a script in his voice. Oh, no, I didn't see that yet. Oh, his voice and, and, he, and he had, and the video was published uh, using the script that ChatGPT created. Um, clearly, it mined a bunch of stuff about him and the way he does himself and the way he creates advertising. And and so th there's that, where he there's that information about him. Presumably, I have multiple chats in my view, and I'm separating them by different things, um, scripts for uh, transcripts for podcasts we do or or analysis of, of some information that I'm reviewing or whatever. I'm wondering, I'm kind of mixing multiple things here, but th there's my profile in there yeah. right, where I presumably am feeding it stuff about me collectively. And there's I could create... Yeah. Right, and in a conversation with that, I could presumably leverage Ryan Reynolds' information. <laughs> and I, could, yeah. I could create a, 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 pod, a video for ITSB Magazine in the voice of Ryan Reynolds. Um, so how does that all come together? Um, where, where are the lines drawn? And, and specifically, I was just wondering, because I'm into in, in the tech, the individual chats, are those separated? You know? Yeah, so I actually discovered this by just accident. I was messing around with ChatGPT3s. Uh, I, I just went on the, the inspector tool in Chrome, and you can look at the network tab. So whenever a, a software makes API calls or talks to a backend, you can, as in a browser, see what the call, the call and response are. So I saw, just to quickly, the tech side, I saw they have each as unique conversations. 
and basically threads underneath them. Um, or maybe may flip it. It's a thread with multiple conversations. But the idea is that they group them as individual things, as one conversation and another chat. So each chat is different with the different back and forth you did. They do separate that out. Um, and I, you can clearly see it in the response in their API that they're grouping these as individual chats. And they figured out what's, a, what's this chat versus another chat. And whether they use it where Ryan Reynolds' data is affecting mine, as someone in privacy, I could say most likely. And mm -hmm. some of the legal world, I can't say, like somebody in legal, I can't definitively say if they are or not. But companies uh, by large will defer towards, and this I'd say it's the right idea. And this is where I always come in from my background. They want to make a better experience. So yes, Ryan Reynolds data, they want to have it so that your experience is better. However, my take is always, it's great to build a consumer experience and that should be the mindset. All we need to change in society is bring consumer control, that they have a voice in all these things. How's it interacting? What's being shown? What's being shared? Hey, don't share that I talked to my girlfriend last night. I asked for help in sending a text message to her. I've even heard um, people use ChatGPT 3 to help like when having a rough patch in a relationship and how to talk through it or explaining difficult concepts. Um, and I think you could say, hey, please don't put that as part of your data set or don't share anything. Or you know what? Yeah, share this conversation I had. I had a great, uh, I was using you to study things about AI and think we had an interesting back and forth conversation in ChatGPT3 and like, yes, I'm willing to share that. I think from really from my perspective, it comes back to consumer control and the pursuit of better experience is the right combo. Um, I think the world of privacy is in a weird state where people say, let me go delete, let me hide, let me stay anonymous. I think really the word should be around control and making no. it simple. People make it very complicated. Like, oh, here, I'm giving you control. You can have 35 dials and toggles. That's not control. It's having an easy say in how these things work. Well, I'm gonna, I know we're getting close to, close to time here and we've barely scratched the surface, but uh, the... Let's go. You, you use the you use the letters API, and I, I have to go there because it definitely connects to control and experience. And it, it's not just me, I presume, not just me putting this stuff in and getting some information out to help them build their algorithm. As you noted, they're they're selling this stuff. There there are APIs into this uh, system and data sets that we're continuously feeding. So, what for the general population? How how does that look? for them <laughs> from a privacy perspective. So it's not just feeding this open.ai company with information. Presumably there are many companies accessing it to create experiences off the data, whether you're, you're benefiting from it or not. Yeah, so that's actually a really good point. Um, I'll disambiguate to see in ChatGPT and just come to companies generally, because they all kind of operate similarly, is that these businesses are building on top of each other and data is being shared different places. I always say that it's not in the world of privacy. Just because you trust the company doesn't mean that, and even the company is not doing all the right things, they might use other software, like uh, sales CRM software, they might use customer support software, and these things then start to share data throughout. And then those companies start to share data in different places. So I think similarly, they're bringing back the concept of the API, there's data sharing to be that'll happen. I know companies like this tend to also Facebook is originally they open up 
a developer portal that you could access the customer data and you could let somebody can sign in, but then you can access a lot of data. The whole Cambridge Analytica scandal that happened in 2018 around privacy was around that exact concept that a business could was able to, they influenced effect, effectively that whole influenced the entire world, the entire election, everything was all done because of data and they, how they could target specifically dissect people, see the way they think because they were interfacing with Facebook's data. And uh, Facebook is giving access to that information and kind of went all the way down to this company that then aggregated, targeted, then used that to manipulate people. I think from this perspective, there will be data sharing. Uh, maybe they, and they're a, I believe they run as a nonprofit um, or they're for profit. I know they got investment, but there'll be businesses who want to build on top of it. There'll be data sharing happening. So that it is an inevitable case. It comes back to like, be careful what you share in that perspective. I think that's a really strong case. And even from the world of privacy, be careful. Businesses that are even good, they have, they're working great, but they might use other businesses that then perpetuate data everywhere. Yep. Uh, I got I to gotta quit this conversation. I hate it because I, I, <laughs> I want to keep bringing it up. But I, that's exactly what I said at the beginning. There is going to be a lot of conversation where we barely scratch the privacy, which we try to focus mostly on that, but we came up with a lot of philosophical thoughts, uh, sociological thoughts. And, uh, and again, I, I go back to that. It's, it's a way to learn about ourselves and also to kind of figure out how our economy works. I mean, th th I'm going to just touch on the, the, last, uh, the last piece of conversation because it's fresh in my head to, to finish this. It's like, to find that balance, right, between being a good company and making money because you're a company. But obviously, when you start looking at a tool that is so powerful, um, you know, I mean, some people, I said that before we started the conversation, they, a professor of, uh, of computer science, uh, I, I saw a presentation, he called it like a, a very interactive parrot because in reality, just having a good conversation with you, but it's not really creating knowledge or anything like that. But it's there, right? And some people are going to make money. So I think it goes back to control. And control from a cybersecurity perspective is one thing. And from a human perspective, I think control is knowledge. I, I have to associate that. I mean, if you don't know how to play with this, maybe try to figure it out a little bit before you just go all the way in. You know, yeah. touch that water, see if it's really, really hot before you actually jump in there and, and you know, and be smart about it because, yeah, somebody's making money out of it and uh, and it's helpful, but it's a tool. That's, that's yeah. the bottom line. It's a tool. So, Sean, we're going to keep this conversation going and maybe having some panels. We always, we always say one more question, Marco, but I think now it's it's going to be a constant one more episode. One more episode. Oh, there's going to be a ton. And we haven't even shot about Dali and, and about music ML and, and all of that. And so it's a, it's going to be a never-ending story. I almost asked I you about Web, Web 3.0, and then I said, no, I'm not going to open that can. So maybe for the next conversation. Next conversation, have to talk about Web 3. All yeah. right, let's do that. <laughs> we'll do an episode about that. So um, that's it. It's 41 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, I want to thank Sean for joining me on this uh, Redefining Society because I need his uh, cybersecurity brain on this kind of conversation. And Harjun, this was great. I mean, I, 
I really enjoy your your AI story and uh, and that personal experience that you had with it. So I hope that I hope the audience enjoyed it as much as we did, and they have more questions than answers uh, at least before they started listening to these. And now they're probably going to dig into what really uh, this uh, interaction with this artificial intelligence means. With that in mind, again, thank you very much. There'll be notes in the episode and stay tuned on ITSP Magazine for many, many more of this uh, awfully uh, engaging conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. TGP chat. (laughs) Peace out. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.